You're listening to a podcast from Victory. God sees, knows, and looks after His people. Learn more about this through Hagar's story in week three of our series, Awesome God. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to our Tuesday service. Glad to be back, and I hope that if you've joined us for our prayer and fasting, I hope that you have really encountered the Lord in a powerful way. Um, we're continuing on our series, Awesome God. We're now on week three, and um, let me just give you um, just a review of the objective of our series, because in the series, we want all of us to have a deeper understanding of who God is, His covenantal attributes as revealed through His names. And may this lead us to a greater expression of worship, mission, and of course, holiness. Now, tonight, we're going to talk about this. Um, we're going to talk about God who is El Roy, which means the God who sees. I've entitled the sermon tonight, The God Who Sees is compassionate. Open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 16, verse 1 to 15, and let us know if you're there already. I'll give you time. Uh, let, let us know that if you're ready um, with the Scriptures. Again, Genesis chapter 16, verse 1 to 15. All right? Okay. Let's read. We'll read um, verse 1 and verse 2. Now, Sarai... Abram's wife had borne him no children. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said to Abram, Behold, now the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. Father, we pray today that we listen to your voice, not the voice of of all the things that are happening in the world, and not even our own hearts. God, we want to listen to your voice, that we may worship you, that we may obey you, that we may discover a new facet of your holiness. Fathers, thank you that you're going to reveal to us how good you are and how compassionate you are. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Now, I read that first part of the verse. You probably read it with me. And you're wondering, what is this? I mean, did she actually ask someone else to, you know, um, uh, to go to bed with her husband? Did she actually get her maid to go to bed with her husband so that the woman could actually give birth to, 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 to a child that will be theirs? That's pretty messed up, isn't it? It sounds that way, but in ancient times, this was a kind of like a common practice, actually, for women um, uh, who had difficulty um, bearing children, all right? This would be an alternative to adoption as well. Um, this is uh, their form of uh, surrogacy in ancient times. So it wasn't that weird for them back in those days. It was, again, a common practice for those. And, and this was crucial because for a woman, not to bear a child would be a tragedy for them in their, in their time. It would be a great, not just a great disgrace, but it would be considered a great tragedy. Um, 
and the wife not being able to fulfill her role. Now, this was especially, the pressure was especially high for Abram and Sarai because at this time, they already knew about the promise that God gave them, that they would, they would grow into this nation, that, that Abram would have descendants. And yet, here they were having difficulty. And they're probably saying, God, I know you promised this, so, but it's taking time. Let me help you out. Now, that's when all things go wrong, when we think that we can help God out. When God has given us a promise and we're saying, God, you know, um, so let me, let me do some things, right? And, and the world has, has all these um, ways and has their own ways of, of really doing things, of getting, getting what they want. Sometimes they say that, you know, whatever... The, 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 it, doesn't, it doesn't matter what means we do for as long as we get the ultimate end. And so here, we see that Abraham and Sarai kind of like helped God. God doesn't need any help. But they were like, okay, let me, let us, let's, let's, let's work in the flesh to get the promise of God. Now, we as God's people shouldn't be like that. When God has promised us something, we should wait on Him. And we should trust that He is able to fulfill His promises in our lives. Just a side note there, but let me continue on reading. At least now we know uh, the context and what was really going on right here. Verse 3, So after Abram had lived 10 years in the land of Canaan, Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abram, her husband, as a wife. And he went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. And Sarai said to Abram, May the wrong done to me be on you. I gave my servant to your embrace. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt. May the Lord judge between you and me. But Abram said to Sarai, Behold, your servant is in your power do to her as you please. Then Sarai dealt harshly with her, and she fled from her. Here in this section, we see the lowlights of the characters in the story. We see the lowlights of Sarai and Abram. Um, we see how, how they have you know, fallen into this mistake or this sin. You see Sarai here putting the blame on Abram. First, of course, the first mistake here was that you know, they, they, they did not wait on God's promise and they moved in the flesh. The second thing is that first for Sarai was that she put the blame on Abraham. Right? And we, here comes Abraham having a lack of leadership, just allowing things to happen. And so we see that. But Hagar did something here as well. Right? And we'll talk more about that later on. In fact, this, in this sermon, the main character for us tonight, at least in this sermon, would be Hagar. Right, as she encounters the Lord. And so with all this going on, all this wrong happening, right? all this wrong happening to this group of people, God is seeing all these things. Because again, like I mentioned, He is the God who sees. He is El Roy, which means God who sees. Now in this digital age, where privacy becomes something that we want to protect, and that we look after, I mean, I mean, what does it make you feel to know 
you have a God who sees. Do you feel threatened, violated? Do you feel like, oh no, uh, I feel violated by this idea that God actually sees everything? Or do you feel confident? And do you feel loved? Do you feel cared for? Do you feel that God is mindful of you? My prayer as we go through this, the preaching today, tonight rather, is that we would be the latter, that we would have a confidence knowing that our God loves us, that He mindfully watches us because He's compassionate towards us. Now, first thing we can learn from the story about God being El Roy or the God who sees is this. God sees everything, yet He shows compassion. God sees everything, yet He shows compassion. Track along with me. We're now in verse 7 of Genesis chapter 16. The angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, the spring on the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? She said, I am fleeing from my mistress, Sarai. Now, who is this angel of the Lord? Now, let me establish here that the angel of the Lord would be God. In fact, a lot of commentators even say that this would be um, Jesus. Okay, this would be Jesus. The, the person of Jesus appearing to Abraham before his incarnation and birth at Bethlehem. Now, if you can't seem to wrap your mind about, around that fact, well, there are many resources out there um, to go and check about it. All right? Um, however, for the purpose of this sermon, let's just assume that this angel of the Lord is Jesus, is God himself. Now, it says there that this God found her. By a spring of water. Now, in its Hebrew, that word means to attain by seeking, built on prior investigation. So, this was not just a, okay, whoops, who's this lady here? Let me go ahead and talk to her. No, it wasn't like that. God was seeking after Hagar. And God knew the details that led to her being in this wilderness and running away. Because the word means to build on prior investigation. So God knew. God knew everything. However, what's interesting is that God asks this. Where have you come and where are you going? Okay, if God is all-seeing, all-knowing, why is he asking this question? Interesting that in the scriptures, it says that God tells, not God asks. And yet there is a question mark and it's in the question form. Now, could this be a rhetorical question? that God is giving? Could it be a qualifying question just to find out, you know, if she's, if she's going to tell the truth, if she's going to tell him things, or, if he, you know? Or could it be a question showing sympathy? Well, I'm not, we're not really sure about it, but it definitely, definitely wasn't an inquiry. It definitely wasn't an inquiry because like I mentioned earlier, God sees, God knows. He knows everything. Okay? Because God sees and knows it all. One thing we can know for sure is this. That Hagar here played the victim. Alright? She played the victim. <laughs> she played the victim. She's, she, she, let's, let's go on and go ahead and read that. She says, I am fleeing from my mistress Sarai. That's why I left. That's why all this happened. That's why I'm leaving. I'm fleeing from my mistress Sarai. Alright? And she didn't state the reason why. 
of course, the, we all know the reason, and, and that's found in verse 4, like what we read earlier. In verse 4, remember, just to refresh your memory, okay, she looked with contempt on her mistress. She looked with contempt on Sarai. When she conceived of the child, of the baby, when she knew she was pregnant, she had the haughty or a, um, an arrogant stoke. Probably a haughty and arrogant look towards Sarai, and Sarai discerned it. All right, it's like, look, I'm better than you. Look, I can bear a child. Okay, so she had that haughtiness, and yet she did not tell this angel of the Lord at that time. All right. Now, despite God seeing that, because again, He's all knowing, He knows that. Um, but despite that, He shows compassion towards Hagar. He meets her in the dry land, in the wilderness. She came from a place where it was a fruitful land, and now she's in a dry land. It was the wilderness. Imagine she was pregnant. God finds her right there. Even if she was, um, um, she was, she had, a, she was responsible also for, for being there, even if she did sin. Even if she did not, she kind of concealed it as well. God found her right there. Now, isn't that a beautiful picture of the gospel? Isn't it a beautiful picture of the gospel? Because really, at one point, we too were lost. And God found us. We were lost, but God found us. And so again, what we could see here, what we can learn about God seeing everything is that, yes, He sees everything. He sees our flaws. He sees our mistakes. He sees our sin. And yet, He still chooses to show compassion. Think about the time when before you knew the Lord. And that's powerful, right? But think about even now, now that you know the Lord when, and we still fail Him, think about the fact that He still shows compassion in spite of our sin, in spite of our sin. God sees everything, yet He shows compassion. The second thing we can learn here is this. God sees our destiny and redirects us when we've strayed. Verse 9 says, The angel of the Lord said to her, Return to your mistress and submit to her. The angel of the Lord also said to her, I will surely multiply your offspring so they cannot be numbered for multitudes. Wow. Now, think about it is, God knows what happened. He knows the reason why Hagar was in the wilderness. He knows about that whole mess of Abraham and Sarai. But he also not only knows a past event, but this God also knows the future. He knows the destiny of Hagar, and he declares it to her. He doesn't just decide right there what he's going to do. No, he declares what he already knows. See, God sees everything, our past, he sees our present, and he sees our future, right? God knew the destiny of Hagar and Ishmael. He says, I will surely multiply. And, and we know that from Ishmael comes the Arab nations that are sweeping across the globe, that there are a lot of them, right? And so God was true to his promise. But see, God told her, for this to happen, you got to return first. It's not like it's just going to happen right there. I'm not just giving you a promise. 
because I just have compassion over you right now and you can just go whatever, do whatever you want. No. He says, return. Yes, he, he, he gives a command. He says, return to your mistress and submit to her. She had to return first. Okay? Now, this is difficult for Hagar. I mean, again, one can only imagine the kind of argument that happened or the kind of humiliation and the kind of pain. She had to swallow a lot of pride and have a lot of faith, all right, to be able to tell the couple, Abraham and Sarai, that she met God. But Hagar knew that if God could be with her in the wilderness, probably Hagar knew that God would be with her as she testifies to Abraham and Sarai upon arriving, upon coming back. And see, God, oftentimes we were led, we're led astray. And not, we're not just led astray in terms of disobeying God, but, but what that does as we disobey, as we, as we sin, we're also led astray not just from following a life that is holy and pure, but from fulfilling our purposes. And so what God does often is not just restore us to holiness, but also restores us to our destiny to our God-given destiny because He knows. He knows. He sees our future. Oftentimes, that's what happens. This is who our God is. This is what He does. This is what He's seeing does because He sees not just our present, our past, but also our future. God restores us to our destiny. See, God doesn't just encounter us in times when we're in trouble, when times when we're in the wilderness, whether that be living in sin or living in unbelief being angry with God, right? That could probably be the wilderness. Rebelling against God or choosing not to believe, even if there's so much evidence of who God is. Being tampo with the Lord, that could probably be the wilderness. See, God doesn't just meet us there and interrupt all those emotions as He meets us in the wilderness. He doesn't just encounter us to make us feel good. He encounters us so that we can do good, so that we can do His will. He restores us back and redirects us to our God-given destiny. See, God being the all-seeing God, He doesn't just see, but He comes in and He redirects us because He has a destiny and a purpose for His children. What an amazing God we have. Third, God sees and saves us from our affliction. Verse 11. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are pregnant and shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael because the Lord has listened to your affliction. He shall be a wild donkey of a man, his hand against everyone, and everyone's hand against him, and he shall dwell over all his kinsmen. Ishmael means this. Okay? God hears. And mind you, God gave the name, right? As, he, as we, we know that he, he's done this in several parts of the, of the scripture, right? God named it. And it, it means God hears, all right? But not only does God see and hear, he acts on it. He acts on what he sees. He acts on what he sees. Remember, he, 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 he gave the covenant, he gave the promise to Hagar that he will sh surely multiply um, her offspring. All right? 
And so God acts also on what he sees. Now, he gave the name, the name of Ishmael. And what that tells me right here is this. Because remember, if, she, if she's going to give him the name Ishmael, everyone's going to call him Ishmael. And people of old, you know, I, these names have much bearing. They tell of, um, of the prophetic destiny of this child. It was, it, when you name a child, it's like your prophetic declaration over it. So Ishmael was understood by the ancient people to be what, what I just read earlier, God hears. And so for God to name him Ishmael and for Hagar to follow that, that would mean that people would, would know about this God who hears. It's like a proclamation of this truth, right? That God hears. And see, that was, that was what's going on right here. That there would be a proclamation of this facet, of this idea of God that He sees, He hears, that He is mindful. Now, I don't know what struggle you're all going through today. Many of you probably are in that wilderness, as I mentioned, a place where, you know, you're angry probably with the Lord or you're disappointed or you're, you feel that you're, you know, you feel lukewarm or you feel numb by all the things that are going on. And I don't know, that wilderness could represent all the, these things. Or where you're in a place of disbelief, either with un, not believing God and His faithfulness or believe, not believing in God altogether because things haven't gone your way. Listen, I'm trusting that the Lord will meet you wherever you are. He is a compassionate God. If you would just, if you would just pause from all those emotions and, and, and seek the Lord and ask Him to come and show up in the time of prayer, listen, you're going to discover and see for yourself that this God has not forsaken you. He sees your pain. He knows what you're going through. And He wants to act on it. But also, He wants to restore you to His purposes for you. And He wants to give you a greater perspective. Now in verse 13, as we land this, verse 13 and 14 says, So she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are a God of seeing. There you go. You are a God of seeing. This is where she proclaims Elroy. For she said, truly, here I have seen him who looks after me. Verse 14, therefore the well was called Bir Lahai Roy. It lies between Kadesh and Bered. When she mentions truly here I have seen him who looks after me, God shows that not only is he a God of seeing, but he sees to it. God sees and he sees to it that we see this to be true. He wants us to know that we, he wants us to see that it is true, that this God is a God who sees. All right? Verse 15, And Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram called the name of his son, whom Hagar bore Ishmael. Verse 16, Abram was 86 years old, and Hagar bore Ishmael to Abraham. Now, what this tells us is that 
Sarai, uh, sorry, Hagar goes back to Abraham and Sarai. But what, what that tells us is that they believed her testimony, they welcomed her back home, and they followed her instruction, God's instruction to Hagar. Abraham followed God's instruction to Hagar, all right? And named the son, the child, Ishmael. See, this, this, is, this is just why God sees. It's because He's compassionate. He's a God of compassion. Now, this compassion of God is what we, can, we know of as grace, right? And what grace is, is unmerited favor. And if you look, really, think about the story right here. There's a lot of grace here, right? Look, Hagar wasn't running to God when she was in trouble. No, she, was, she ran into him. But for God, this wasn't incidental. It was intentional. God knew. God found her. God sought after her. But for her, she just ran into him. See, that was grace right there. God allowing her to run into this compassionate God who would give her a promise and restore her back to her destiny. Another is Ishmael was the first name given to a son by God. Before Isaac, before everyone else, this Ishmael, who was a half-breed, he was half-Egyptian, half-Israelite, really was the first name given to a son by God. What an amazing thing. And also Hagar, was the first person that the angel of the Lord appeared to, that God appeared to. Recorded in the Bible, not Noah, not Moses, not, you know, Elijah. It was Hagar who, was, who wasn't part of Israel, who was an Egyptian, right? Was an Egyptian mistress, servant even. God appears to her. See, God does not show any partiality. This, going back and fast forward to where we are, our times today, isn't it so true that God doesn't show any partiality, that His compassion is for everyone? It's for everyone. It's for everyone. Those who are doing good and those who are running away from Him, those who are found and those who are lost, His compassion is for all. He sees all and He's reaching out to all. What an amazing God we serve. What a God of grace. God being Elroy, yes, means God who sees, but he sees, he chooses to seize because, see because he is compassionate. That seeing is coming from a, care, a caring heart and a God who is compassionate. Now, may we find comfort in the fact and may we learn to love God, for He truly loves us, despite who we are, despite our mistakes. I hope that we could appreciate and treasure the fact that He sees. That in times of trouble, we know that we're not alone. That we can call on the name of the Lord and find deliverance, find comfort, find strength, find wisdom. 
Because this God sees. You're not alone. He sees. May we also learn to see those who may need God. To have a compassion towards those who don't know this God yet. May we have a compassion to reach out to them. Knowing that God sees their affliction as well. Knowing that God sees their sin and yet He's compassionate towards them. May we reach out to these people by demonstrating the gospel to them and proclaiming the gospel to them as well. The good news that says that God became man in Jesus Christ who lived the life we should have lived, who died the death we should have died, who was raised again from the dead on the third day, proving that He is the Son of God and offers forgiveness and salvation to all, to all, to all who believe. Why don't we pray? Father, thank You that You are the God who sees. First off, Lord God, since You see everything, You see the good, the bad, you see the filthy, Lord, we just want to come before you and just pray this prayer of repentance. We want to turn away from things that don't honor you, things in our lives that don't honor you. Probably we've embraced mindsets that do not honor you, that, that contradict your word. Lord, we're sorry. And Lord, we say today, renew our minds that we may follow you, Lord God, that we may pursue your will for us, because we know that you have a destiny for us. We know that you have a purpose for us. And therefore, we say, Lord, thank you that you're renewing our minds right now. And thank you, Lord, that in your grace, we can get back up and pursue. Say no to sin. Say yes to you. Pledge our allegiance to you, not to the world and its mindset, but to you, oh God. And follow your will, to obey your will in Jesus' name. Also pray for comfort and confidence in you, God. And the fact that you see, Lord God, thank you that you're restoring our confidence in you. Probably some of us are disappointed that things haven't panned out the way we, 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 we wanted, especially for last year and maybe, maybe even this year, maybe the start of the year. There are things that seem like, that, that we, it seems like there are already mountains that we're facing and we're already overwhelmed. We're already challenged. We're already disappointed. But God, thank you. Knowing that you see, Lord, we can pursue your will for us. We can move on, move forward without being afraid, Lord God. Just move forward knowing that you are with us, that you watch over us, that you are with us, Lord God. You will deliver us. And God, thank you too that because you're compassionate towards us, thank you that you're renewing that fire for us to be compassionate to the lost. Father, thank you, Lord God, that you will use us once more to be a people who will demonstrate the gospel and will proclaim the gospel. We'll proclaim the good news that we have a God who sees, a God who knows, and a God who will deliver, and a God who will save. So, Father, thank you as you're probably you're allowing us to see the pictures or names of people whom we know within our spheres who need to hear the gospel who are living lives that, that aren't right, who are, who are being lost and our lives are going astray. Lord, give us the confidence, Father, that as we go and reach out to them, we may, we may know that you are with us in that. And that would allow us to have the confidence and to have the boldness to reach out to them, demonstrate and proclaim the gospel. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.
God bless you. See you next week.